Amen. I was sitting there before they sang tonight. I didn't know what song they were singing. I was just thinking how blessed we are uh, in our church, in our nation. I enjoyed the offertory. I enjoyed the choir tonight. I enjoyed the fellowship. I just enjoy uh, what God is doing here in this place, and I'm thankful for that song, and we certainly are blessed. I want you to have your Bibles ready tonight. I want you to go back to our text passage as I preach tonight on the subject of the importance of the foundation, the importance of the foundation. I am, and I think I can say that we are concerned uh, more than ever for our nation, uh, its uh, behavior, its uh, direction, the boldness of its iniquity, and uh, our concern because we as God's people, knowing the word of God, uh, know where a people, a nation is headed when it continues in iniquity and it's never good. The broad road of destruction always leads to destruction. That's the only place it goes. And our heart's desire is for revival. I am convinced tonight that there is no political hope. I didn't say that politics or good people are not important. But I'm convinced tonight that the only hope for our nation uh, as a whole is a spiritual awakening. And I do not think that will happen outside of the work of local churches. And I am thankful for local churches that preach the word of God and stand strong on the word of God and then Christians who are salt and light. And so I'm going to preach a patriotic kind of a message tonight, uh, the importance of the foundation. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd give me wisdom as I preach it tonight. I've prayed many, many times already uh, before coming to this moment and this time, and I've spent much time in preparation, and not just uh, time in preparation for this particular sermon, but much time in study and reading of our founding fathers and comparing what they knew, what they believed, what they read to the word of God. And I'm thankful for the great Christian heritage that we have. May we be convinced of your word tonight of the direction and need for our country. I pray that you'd bless in power. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. The Bible has much to say about the importance of foundation and the foundation of anything. In just a few minutes, I'll read a part of the Declaration of Independence, but I want to make sure with that in mind that you look at our text passage tonight. He says in verse number 46, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? He's going to go on to say that your obedience is your foundation. So if you're obedient to the things that I say, you're building a strong foundation for your life. Not just believing it, but obeying it. Are you with me tonight? Did you see what he said? Look at verse 47. Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them... I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man which built a house and digged deep and laid the foundation on a rock. Then the Bible says, And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it. Why? Because it's foundation, for it was founded upon a rock. I want you to understand, it's not just 
hearing his word. It's not just knowing his word, but it's doing his word. Now, in a few minutes, I'm going to read a part of the Declaration of Independence that many people will quote today. Many people will talk about the Declaration of Independence, which talks about our Creator and that our Creator is the giver of our rights. But it's one thing to hear it. It's another thing to believe it and to obey it. And I want to put those two things together from the passage of Scripture. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, another passage about the foundation. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are built together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. I'm glad tonight that my foundation is not on sinking sand, but it is on the solid rock of the Lord Jesus Christ. My faith is found a resting place, not in device nor creed. I trust the ever-living one. His wounds for me doth Plead. Uh, take your Bibles and go with me, if you will, to Psalm number 11. Uh, Psalm number 11. And I want to show you a familiar passage of Scripture here and some important things about this. And again, uh, we're talking about the importance of foundation. Uh, we learn first that foundation is not just hearing the Lord or not just calling Him out of respect, Lord, Lord, but hearing and doing what He says. If you do what he says, you have a strong foundation. If you just call him Lord and hear what he says, you have a foundation that's sand, sinking sand, and your life is not built upon what you think or what you say. It's built on our obedience to the word of God. Then the Bible says in Psalm number 11, In the Lord put I my trust. How say ye to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? For lo, the wicked bend their bow, they make ready their arrow upon the string that they may privily shoot at the upright. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple, the Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids try the children of men. Now think of that, if you will, the Lord's looking at us. Now, I grew up in church where my dad was a pastor, and of course, and so I didn't sit with my dad in church, and then I've raised my children from the platform. I've not sat with them in church, but my eyelids have certainly tried them many times and said, you better sit up. We are going to the same house after church. And many times my dad has said to me without speaking a word, if you don't behave, you're going to be in trouble when you get to the house. Now the Bible says that the Lord's looking down and his eyelids are trying men. Look at verse number five. The Lord trieth the righteous, but the wicked in him that loveth violence his soul hateth. Upon the wicked he shall rain snares, fire and brimstone, and in horrible tempest. This shall be the portion of their cup. For the righteous Lord loveth righteousness. And you ought to write uh, in, in, in the margin of your Bible or somewhere, uh, it says his countenance doth behold the upright. You ought to write the words, God's on our side. 
He's upset at the righteous. He's not for the wickedness that's going on in this nation. He's not for the immodesty, immorality, abortion, transgender uh, foolishness. He's not for that. He's against the wickedness and he is for the righteous. I would think tonight if we would be convinced that God's on our side and we're on God's side, we could have victory if we so desired to have victory in our life and in our nation. That's obvious tonight that America as a nation is headed in the wrong direction and moving quickly away from its founding. And I'm not talking tonight about voting Democrat, Republican. I'm not talking about that because in many cases there's not a lot of difference and I'm not, my purpose is not to preach about that and I don't want you to think I'm talking about winning and losing elections. I'm talking about winning and losing our nation as far as righteousness and wickedness is concerned. Uh, the wickedness and the result of that sin is ever on the increase in our nation. And I'm concerned this evening that we do not know what the foundation of our nation is or was. If we don't know what our foundation was, if we don't know what our foundation is, it's impossible to return to it. I want to read just a few words that are very familiar, but I want to read a few words from the Declaration of Independence that would be, of course, a part of the founding faith and belief position of our fathers. This is a state document I'm about to read. When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume, to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind require that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. Now they're talking about being separate or separating themselves from the old country that was that was persecuting the church and the Christian. You understand why our forefathers came. They weren't looking for gold, they were looking for God. They were coming to America. You read, uh, you read the documents of uh, all of their writings and you'll find that they came to America for religious liberty. They came for the freedom of religion. I read on. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal that they are endowed by their capital C creator with certain unalienable inalienable is the same word which means cannot be taken away with certain inalienable rights endowed by our creator with unalienable rights that among these are life liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That to, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its power in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. 
There are three categories of law that we follow in America. You may want to write down these three words. First of all, there is natural law that's given in this Declaration of Independence. Will these truths to be self-evident? The laws of nature and of nature's God. It's obvious who this God is. He's the creator of Genesis chapter 1. Second of all, there is divine law. God gave the law to and through Moses, referred to by the Lord Jesus and all preachers in the New Testament again and again and again. Third of all, there's a common law of government. All three of these are mentioned in this beginning phrase and phrases of the Declaration of Independence. Now, if we don't know what our foundation is, we can't go back to it. And when you read this, and I'm going to give you as many as I can that time will allow, I'm going to give you ten principles, and there are many more, and give you ten principles that we find just from the Declaration of Independence that says we're dissolving our political bands with the old country because we want religious freedom. It is obvious in the laws of nature and of nature's God that we're endowed by our Creator with certain inalienable rights which are or include life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Are you listening to the words tonight? Listening to the words of the, Constitu- or, or of the Declaration of Independence. It has been long known, it has been written about, taught and declared, and even fought by the enemy, by our nation's highest court, what these phrases of the Declaration of Independence mean to us as a nation. Now, we can call that our declaration, but as Jesus said, you can call me Lord and you can hear what I say, but if you don't do what I say, you're going to build your house on sand and when the rain comes and the stream is flooded, it's going to wash your nation, it's going to wash your house away. But if you will hear and do what I say, you'll have a strong foundation. There are three sets of laws or three types of laws that are mentioned, as I said. Natural law, the laws of nature and of nature's God. The divine law, that's this book. And common law or government that leads us to follow and obey natural and divine law. Are you with me tonight? These statements, number one, the only reliable basis for sound government and just human relations is natural law. Now, natural law is God's law. As Thomas Jefferson said in the Declaration of Independence, there are laws which govern in the affairs of men, which are the laws of nature and of nature's God. We are not as ignorant as we like to claim. We know by nature many things that are right and many things that are wrong. Take your Bibles and go to the book of Romans chapter 2. I could give you at least 25 examples, but I'll show you two passages of Scripture that talk about the very laws of nature. Romans chapter 2, notice if you will, beginning in verse number 14. Romans 2, 14. For For when the Gentiles which have not the law He's referring to the law of Moses given to the Jews. For when the Gentiles which have not the law 
do by nature the things, the things contained in the law, these having not the law, are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts. Do you see that? The law that's written in their hearts. Their conscience also bearing witness and their thoughts that mean uh, the meanwhile accusing or else excusing uh, one another. There are those in our nation that are rebels against right. Now they may declare something right to be wrong or something wrong to be right, but they're violating what they know is the law of nature and they're violating their own conscience and the law of right and wrong that's written in their heart. By the way, ignorance before God will not serve as excuse. Now take your Bibles and go to Romans chapter 1, the chapter before, and let's begin here in verse number 19. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. We see the laws of nature. We see the God of nature being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are, notice the words, without excuse, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves." who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. We could read Psalm 19. We could read Deuteronomy chapter 26. We could read Galatians chapter 6, uh, that we reap what we sow. Why do we reap what we sow? Is that what Congress said? Uh, no, sir. Is that what the state law says? No. That's what the laws of nature say. You always reap what you sow. You always reap more than you sow. The laws of nature are very obvious in our world today. How sad it is, uh, the Bible talks about a people in 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, they're wise people but, and they're ever learning but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, it is sad today that there is more Bible in the Declaration of Independence than there is in some sermons that would excuse who our God is and our responsibilities to Him. Now, America can't come back to where it was until it knows what it was and where to go back to. First of all, the only reliable basis for sound government and just human relations is natural law. Number two, without pure religion, and I use the word pure religion as is used in James 1.27, 
the government of a free people without pure religion, the government of a free people cannot be maintained. The greatest hope of freedom is not the military and certainly is not the press. It is a righteous people who teach their children the Bible. Psalm 127, the Bible tells us uh, that a watchman waketh but in vain except the Lord keeps the house. I've used this illustration, I think, three times in the last few weeks. The children of Israel who had no shoes or clothes or food to eat were protected and could not be stopped in the wilderness even though they did have enemies in the wilderness. They could not be stopped because God's hand of protection was upon them. When they got to the land of Canaan, they could not be protected. Though they had shoes and clothes, and now they have a king, and now they have an army, and now they're a mighty nation. Here they can't be stopped. Here they can't be protected. What is the difference? They came to a time of disobedience and dishonor to God. And I want to say tonight exactly what our forefathers have taught uh, without the word of God and without the principles of the word of God, our government and our form of government cannot be maintained. George Washington said of all the dispositions and habits which lead to political prosperity, religion and morality are indispensable supports. And let us with caution indulge the supposition that morality can be maintained without religion. When he talks about religion and you read the collection of sermons that George Washington had in his library as he would collect sermons of Bible preachers, he knew without the preaching of the word of God there would be no morality in our nation and our nation has divorced itself from moral uh, uh, truths and moral principles because we've divorced ourselves from Bible preaching in America. I want to say number three, a free people cannot survive under a public constitution unless they remain virtuous and morally strong. Benjamin Franklin said, only a virtuous people are capable of freedom. As nations become corrupt and vicious, they have more need of masters. More police more laws, more taxes. I wonder how much money has been wasted on sin and vicious, wicked behavior in America in the last 20 years. And rather than our government saying we need to get back to teaching morality, rather than having football on Wednesday night, we need to have Bible study on Wednesday night. Rather than having baseball leagues on Wednesday night, we need to have Bible study on Wednesday night. Rather than the government promoting gambling as a source of income, recognizing where our income we already have is going through and because of the result of sin and vice. I want to tell you tonight, more important than who gets elected is the Sunday school teacher that stands and teaches the word of God. More important than who gets elected is the father and the mother that stands in the home or sits in the home in the family devotion time and teaches the truths of the word of God. I say number four, a most promising method of securing a virtuous people is to elect virtuous leaders. Samuel Adams made this statement. 
neither the wisest constitution nor the wisest laws will secure the liberty and happiness of a people who are universally corrupt. He, therefore, is the truest friend to liberty of his country who tries most to promote its virtues and who will not suffer a man to be chosen into any office of power and trust who is not a wise and virtuous man. Exodus 18.21 is very close to what Samuel Adams said. Choose men to represent you and to lead you who are virtuous and who are wise men. I want to say number five. All things were created by God. All things were created by God. Therefore, upon him all mankind are equally dependent and to him equally responsible. Listen to this statement. The American founding fathers considered the existence of the creator, they considered the existence of the creator as the most fundamental premise underlying all self-evident truth. And I want you to think what's happened in our nation. Study what you can find on evolution and public education. They will tell you that evolution is based on science and creation belief is based on the Bible. If that be true, I base my faith not on science but the Bible. But I want to say it is not true. Evolution at best is a theory of man. And our forefathers founded our nation, prepared the principles with great, with great concern and care and effort on the foundation that Jesus Christ is the creator of the world. To take away the truth from a generation that there is no creator or creation, but everything evolved from lower animal life is to take away the very context and the very foundation of our Constitution and our Declaration of Independence. And it reminds us of what Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, you can call me Lord. You can recite the Declaration of Independence. You can listen to what I say but if you don't do what I say, your foundation is sinking sand. I say tonight, America needs to go back to teaching the fact that America was founded on the principles of the Word of God and the first principle, God is our creator. Our forefathers wrote, one who boasts that he or she is an atheist has simply failed to apply their divine capacity for reason and even observation. This very fact, truth, has been attacked in our educational system. Evolution is a lie. Creation is the truth. But when you go and you teach evolution, it won't be long till you'll say, well, there's not just two genders. There may be three or four or seven or ten or twelve. But there's not. There are two. 
and they are what God created. Not only did he create the world, he made male and female, and that is all he made. All else is an immoral, immodest, destructive lie. It is an overwhelming burden. It is a continual prayer of my heart. How in the world do we get the truth to children? To get to the minds of our children the fact that God made them and God loves them. A child in one of our Sunday schools that came on a bus route recently after hearing the gospel and that Christ loved them and gave himself on the cross of Calvary that they could have eternal life asked the question, does everybody know this? We ought to tell the whole world about this. And that child is correct. Number six, to protect human rights, God has revealed a code of divine law. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop here after I give you this. I'm going I'm to stop in my preaching after this because I want you to get a hold of the fact that to protect human rights, God revealed a code of divine law. There is no book of equality like the Bible. There is no book that teaches respect like the Bible. There is no book that teaches passion or compassion like the Word of God. William Blackstone, who is somebody that everybody ought to read about, an a, uh, English jurist uh, that, uh, whose writings influenced our founding fathers greatly. He wrote these words, The doctrines thus delivered we call the revealed or divine law and they're to be found only in the Holy Scriptures. These precepts, when revealed, are found by comparison to be really a part of the original law of nature as they tend in all their consequences to man's felicity or happiness. John Adams said of the Bible, The Bible contains the most profound philosophy, the most perfect morality, and the most refined policy that ever was conceived upon the earth. We have it. We hold it. We carry it. But if we call him Lord, and we listen to him, but we don't do the things that he said, our foundation is sinking sand. John Quincy Adams wrote, The Bible is of all books in the world. Not John Quincy Adams. John Quincy Adams. The Bible is of all books in the world that which contributes most to make men good, wise, and happy. Our first chief justice, John Jay, wrote these words, and I love this quote. Let us therefore persevere steadfastly in distributing the scriptures far and near and without note or comment. We are assured that they are profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. He didn't recommend to take the Bible out of the schools. He recommended that we as a nation, and even through our government as they did, print and publish this book to the peoples of the world. 
Thomas Jefferson wrote, the doctrines of Jesus are simple and tend all to the happiness of man. Had the doctrines of Jesus been preached always as pure as they came from his lips, the whole civilized world would now have been Christian. Stand with me if you will. America can't go back to what it doesn't know. And when you look at, in addition to the scripture and the answer for revival, when you look at the founding documents of our nation and their connection to the word of God, we realize the only hope for revival in our nation is to get back to the principles of the word of God. If you're here tonight, you do not know Christ as Savior. If you're watching me tonight, you've never received Christ as Savior. I would beg you to put your faith and trust in Him. For if you don't put your faith and trust in Him, you cannot have eternal life. He wants you to have it. Receive Him as Savior. Heavenly Father.